Welcome to Bigger Pockets Money, show number seven. I completely agree with you because you can only save down to zero, right? Like, and in fact, you can't, you can only save so much, right? There's a limit to it. Where on the flip side, you can increase it to infinity if you really, really want to. I mean, look around, right? Like you have all these people around that just make billions and billions of dollars overnight, right? So it's time for a new American dream. One that doesn't involve working in a cubicle for 40 years, barely scraping by. Whether you're looking to get your financial house in order, invest the money you already have, or discover new paths for wealth creation, you're in the right place. This show is for anyone who has money or wants more. This is the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. How's it going, everybody? I'm Scott Trench here with my co-host, Mindy Jensen. How are you doing today, Mindy? I'm doing great, Scott. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I'm excited to interview our two guests. I am super excited. I really love this couple. Uh, They are a Southern California couple who have no kids currently, and they are on the path to financial independence. But what I really like about this couple is they don't have a hard and fast deadline like most of the other people in the personal finance community will say something like, I need $10 million and my goal is to have that done by August 15th of 2020 or whatever. They're like, you know what? I like my job. Whatever happens, happens. I just want to save money so that I can do what I want when I want. I want the freedom to leave if suddenly I don't like it anymore. But currently I love it and I don't want to quit. Yep. They have over the past couple of years just continuously accelerated toward financial freedom, not really having a specific destination in mind, but more of a how do I increase my options? How do I increase my nest egg? How do I take advantage of my life and business in such a way that I can get the maximum happiness now and have that freedom later? And I think it's just a fantastic approach to life and finance in general. Yes, I do. I really just love their story. So when it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms of each credit card issuer apply. Deciding how to invest your capital can be extremely challenging, especially when the market is constantly changing. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company that has a great track record. The BAM Capital executive team has successfully navigated through the Great Recession, COVID-19, and the current interest rate environment while delivering maximized returns to their partners. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator with over $1.3 billion in transactions, delivering a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. BAM Capital has consistently paid preferred return distributions for over 50 consecutive months, has not lost limited partners' capital, and has not called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital's disciplined investment strategy is targeting undermanaged institutional quality trophy assets throughout the U.S. heartland for accredited investors who are looking for generational wealth building or monthly income opportunities. Their offerings target cash flow stability, capital preservation, long-term appreciation, and accelerated tax benefits. Join BAM Capital's over 1,200 investors across 44 states and get started today at BAMCapital.com. Again, that's BAMCapital.com. The easiest way to collect rent? Rent app. 
RentApp is a seamless, secure, free payment tool for small rental property owners like you and me. Built by a team of fintech veterans behind Square and Cash App, RentApp uses ACH bank transfers to deposit rent directly into your account. Landlords love RentApp for its unbeatable convenience. Isn't it time you made rent collection easier? Rent app, the free and easy way to collect rent. Learn more at rent.app slash landlord. That's rent.app slash landlord. Before we just sit here and tell their story for them, let's bring them in and let them tell their story. Mr. and Mrs. Waffles on Wednesday. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Wow. How you doing? We are doing fantastic. We're doing great. We're doing fantastic this morning. How are you guys? We're doing well. It's a cold day in Denver today. Let's start right with this question that's been having for a while. Why Waffles on Wednesday? Can you tell us and, and everybody listening why you decided on that name? Well, you know, it definitely took a little bit of thinking on our part. And I guess one day we were just sitting down. It was a Sunday. And we typically tend to have a little bit more fancy breakfasts on the weekends because that's what we can do right now. And we were sitting there and it's like we were having waffles and we're like, oh, this is really nice. But it'll be great when we actually, you know, have the freedom that we could have waffles whenever we want, potentially in the middle of the week. Oh, Wednesday waffles on Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, we were having breakfast and Mrs. Wow here made mention, you know, I really enjoy this because we get a time to relax and and, then sit down and slow down and, you know, have a cup of coffee and a nice breakfast. And I kind of looked at her and I was like, well, you know, if we continue on this path, we'll be able to do this whenever we want. And so we kind of were looking around and it kind of became like a little mantra for us that, you know, maybe we'd slow down and can do whatever we want whenever we want. Nice. I like that story. When you reach FI, you could be waffles whenever we want dot com. <laughs> so, we already have that one saved too. Don't worry. Yay. I think it's funny because like that why, you know, it seems so simple, but it's so it's such a like a powerful thing. It's like, hey, I'm gonna get to do what I like to do with my leisure time on every day of the week once you reach that FI. Well, and it's yeah, great. And that was part of it, right? Like it was such a simple concept, but it had like such a deeper meaning. And it's not necessarily finance necessarily related, right? It's more about finding your passion and like being able to take it slow and being able to like enjoy what you really enjoy in life and kind of do whenever you want, whatever you want. And so that was kind of the idea. The acronym worked out pretty well too. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I say you all the time. That was, that was just a nice secondary benefit. So what was your life like when you had this, came to this revelation? Like what were you doing for jobs? What was your kind of day-to-day like? And how did things change after that? Well, I'll start and just say that I'm an occupational therapist and I specialize in pediatrics. So my job has been the same and hasn't really changed throughout this process. Yeah. So I, I'm a computer guy. Uh, I started as a data analyst and now I'm a data engineer and business intelligence engineer. And the way we got into this, I was at a company that actually got acquired. And so I got a decent check. It wasn't life-changing money, but it was a sizable amount of money. And I ended up giving it to a personal finance advisor that I had been using for years. And this was back in 2011, 2012, somewhere in there. And I looked at the market at the end of the year and the market was up like 25%. And my investment returns were like five, I think. And then on top of it, I was paying him 1%, right? And so I was like, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. Like I can do better than this. And so that's when I started looking around online and I actually came across the Jim Collins blog. And then the more and more I read, the more and more I was like, well, first of all, I can do this myself and do it better. And second of all, 
I think we can actually make this happen. And so I kept forwarding her blogs and then she kind of came around eventually after <laughs> after about six months to a year of me just forwarding her stuff. But yeah, so our life was very similar in a way. We were living in a more expensive area. We were definitely going out a lot more. Spending a lot more. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we <laughs> well, we had a real eye-opening experience that Mrs. Wow likes to talk about the first time we really sat down and looked at our expenses at the bar we used to go to. Oh yeah. We had a favorite like neighborhood bar that we loved. We'd go to all the time, you know, go watch football games, go have dinner, whatever. And we realized that at the end of one year that we basically had covered one of the bartender's salaries by the amount um, that we had gone there and that we had spent there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we really liked that place and it has a special place in our heart, but we also realized that we could do a whole lot more with that money that we had spent. Can have your own uh, salary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we could salary. pay ourselves instead of somebody else's salary. And so it was kind of eye opening in that regard. And then, so that kind of pushed us down the path. So you know, our life has changed in some regards in the fact that we don't pay bartender salaries anymore, but it's not changed a lot. Now, Mrs. Wow took the opportunity to change her life in her professional life quite drastically over the last couple of years. Yeah. And I guess that we decided to uh, start my own company and it really kind of was happening as all these other changes were going on as well. And it's really been something that I feel like has given us a lot of different opportunities and flexibility and some different kind of tax hacks and all of that. As we kind of go down this financial independence path, having our own business also plays a huge role in the opportunities that we get from having that as well. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned tax hacks. My husband, he was working for this company as a contractor and they said, hey, we'll pay you more if you pay all your own taxes yourself and you know yeah. have your own company and be self-employed. So one of the tax hacks that we get huge benefit from is the self-directed solo 401k. I work for bigger pockets. Obviously real estate mm -hmm. is my thing. And that is a way to invest in real estate with my retirement accounts. What sort of tax hacks have you discovered having your own company? So big part of it is when she started out as a contractor, similar to the way I think your husband started out as, as like a 1099 sole proprietor. And then it was like, wait a minute, they're taking a lot of you know, money off the top. I can do this myself. And so she ended up getting incorporated. And when we did that, I made a point of setting up a solo 401k. Now, we didn't do a self-directed one. We just did an off-the-shelf through Fidelity. But I am an employee of her company. She is an employee of her company. The company actually matches 25% of our salaries. And that's not matching. That's just non-elective contributions of 25% of whatever we get paid and so, you know, I happen to get paid $18,500 every year. And so I end up putting in $23,000. Wow. Is there a significance uh, to that number? <laughs> <laughs> it's a magic number. In fact, in 2018, it's 18,500. But before that, it was 18 flat. 18 but, flat. Wow. Uh, yeah. And so I'd end up getting 22,500, I guess, if I do the math correctly. Yeah. <laughs> into this 401k every year. And then with Mrs. Wow here, she was doing the same thing. But between that and the fact that we can now do after-tax contributions, I think she pretty much maxed out the limit of her 401k this year. And I don't remember the exact specification of how it all broke down, but obviously 18 is one portion of it. And then the 25% match was another substantial portion of it. And so we did that. And then on top of that, she's gotten into a lot of international volunteer work. 
And so all of the travel that we do is corporate expense. And so that really helps. And the room we're sitting in is our office. So there's a third of our rent is gone. Right. And, and so that's that goes against it. Her right. car, because she drives everywhere for work, because she drives in between, you know, clients, houses and stuff and does in-home trade. So we actually write off. I think the federal rate now is 53 and a half cents a mile. And she drives like almost 2000 miles a month. And oh, so wow. in LA some, traffic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, take back my wow. So that goes against it, right? Like our phone bills obviously go against our internet bill goes against it. So all those expenses go against her company because we need it to operate her company. And so, yeah, so that all gets deducted. And then you just happen to have internet at your house on the weekends when you don't just turn that off. So, yeah, we've got the same similar hack. I do want to point out that the 18000 salary that you're taking, I'm assuming, is because that's the max that you can personally contribute to your 401k. And that yes. comes in pre-tax. So you get paid $18,000 and shucks, you're not paying any taxes on that because you're putting that 100% of your salary into your 401k, Precisely. which is a great legal tax. Yeah. I don't want to say tax dodge, but that's like a tax dodge. You're legally putting all of that money into your 401k. Yeah, yeah you still pay payroll tax on it. Right. So you do pay a little bit of tax on it, but it's negligible compared to the income tax rate. And then the other thing is, is the more expenses that we can put against the company. And again, legally. Right. Like, yes. and this is all above board. We run it by an accountant like this. Is not, yes. I'm not trying not to say you're shady or anything like this. Right. So. I'm not trying to say you're shady. <laughs> and and I also assume that, Mr. Well, that you do contribute to the business and produce value. For them. wrote her an entire workflow software package. And so I get compensated for my software and I actually do all of this 401k administration, all of the accounting, all of that stuff it runs through me. So I'm not just, yes. So all of those (laughs) things, right? So, you know, so I do get compensated for that and that's where I'm getting compensated. So once you pay the payroll tax, then everything else, and then on the corporate match, you do pay no tax until you withdraw it. So that has no payroll tax on it and nor income tax. And it's also counted against expenses against the company. So the company have minimal income as well, because that gets passed through to your personal income tax. So if the company actually operates at a loss, that actually reduces my W-2 income. Oh, that's interesting. Going back a step real quick, you started off in this position where you're both earning moderate salaries at Mm -hmm. uh, kind of normal jobs, basically. And then over the course of this six-month to 12-month period, you discovered various blog articles and the concept of financial independence got really ingrained in this is Mr. Wow. And mm-hmm. uh, Mrs. Wow, you kind of came around after the first couple of months into this as well. <laughs> is, is that accurate? Kind of a summary there? Yeah, I feel like maybe a little bit longer than a couple of months. It probably took me six months to a year before I actually really kind of jumped on the FI train, as I like to call it. (laughs) The big thing for me, and Mr. Wow kind of touched on this, is that I love to travel. And so what hooked me was one day Mr. Wow was like, hey, you really like to travel, right? And I was like, yeah, where are we going with this? And he's like, well, you know, if we can become financially independent, we can travel whenever we want and wherever we want. And I was like, done. Sign me up. (laughs) Whatever I need to do, I'll do it right now. So it definitely took me a little bit longer to get there. But ever since I think I realized that it could work, I've been not holding back. You know, I'm signed up the whole way. (laughs) 
Awesome. And so you have a number of steps here among the two of which the two biggest ones, it sounds like were one, just kind of basically understanding your expenses and cutting out some places where there was clear waste. And the other was starting this business, right? <laughs> Not clear waste, but you know, like going out on Saturday and Friday and Wednesday and Monday yeah. nights. But, um, <laughs> well, but if you're that, only going out then. <laughs> paying other people's salaries and bar tabs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the biggest step of that seems like obviously was this business. So beyond all these tax breaks and uh, advantages that you're getting from this, shifting expenses to before tax versus paying them after tax, like the rest of us as regular employees do, when you actually made that step to begin on your own business, how did you do it? How did you get the first couple of clients and all that kind of stuff? How did you get the courage to take that leap and make that transition? Well, the first thing that I'd like to say is that the biggest thing was I realized that I was in a good spot. You know, it wasn't great, you know, traditional employee or contractor or anything like that. And life was good, but I was really ready for kind of that next step and to make life great. But I always knew that I could go back to exactly where I was at that moment and I'd be okay, you know? So that kind of gave me that confidence of like, let's go, let's try. If I fail, I'll come back. I'll do exactly what I'm doing right now. And life will continue to be good. But honestly, starting the business has been the best decision for both of us. And especially as we kind of go down this path that we could have made. And again, it's really opened up a lot of opportunities. It's been a whole lot more work than I think I've maybe would have thought at the very beginning. You know, I'm now working on the weekends and working late at night, early mornings, all of that kind of stuff. But it's for my company and it's something that we enjoy working together. So it's it's a passion project, but it's more yeah. than that. So how did you get your clients at the right. beginning? Right. Uh, the, the biggest thing has really been word of mouth. Just getting in with a couple of clients and they really like what I did. And then they go, you know, talk to somebody else and they go and talk to somebody else. And that honestly has been the biggest kind of influencer in the terms of how I've moved forward with my company. I really haven't had to do too much external marketing or anything like that. It's really just been good quality work. People appreciate it. And then they refer me out. So you work hard, you treat your customers as well as you can, and they go out and come back to you and, and refer other business to you. That's shocking business. Wow, huh? earth-breaking, <laughs> earth groundbreaking information here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If you do good work and you treat people right, they tend to like you. It's mm -hmm. weird. I don't, I never would have thought. This is funny that, that you say this. We just had the original Bigger Pockets podcast interviewed Gary Vaynerchuk today. The show will air a couple of days after Gary's airs. So I'm not releasing any secrets, but that came up the same way. He's like, you got to work hard. You got to put in a long hours and, you know, build your business. And that's how you become successful. I'm like, wow, that's groundbreaking. But you know, it's so many people want the shortcut. There's no shortcut. Yeah. yeah it's amazing. The reason I think this is such an important topic is because, you know, you have to change something if you want to accelerate toward financial freedom. And it has to be either you got to spend less, you got to earn more, or you got to create or invest in assets that produce income, right? And you chose the entrepreneurial path. And that is one of the most effective ways. It's something that everybody at some point will have to consider as they move along the, the journey to financial freedom, because it's so undeniably the most effective way of doing this if, if you can do it right and build your own business in that way. We just talked about the tax advantages, but even bigger than that is the unlimited potential of this business. That is actually something. I mean, so we got a little sidetrack on the tax stuff and I completely agree with you because you can only save down to zero, right? Like, and in fact, you can't, you can only save so much, right? There's a limit to it. Where on the flip side, you can increase it 
to infinity if you really, really want to. I mean, look around, right? Like you have all these people around that just make billions and billions of dollars overnight, right? So the thing that was, what was really interesting and why we decided to go with this, and she touched on it, was pretty low risk, right? Like I'm still employed. I have a fairly, you know, I'm a software guy, so I make a fairly good income. And she was taking on clients and doing, you know, kind of all of this independently. And it was like, well, what do I do? Because the very worst that happens is I go back and get a job and we really had no risk. Right. And so what ended up happening is as she built out her client base, her income started substantially growing because then now as she filled out her schedule, she took a big cut at the beginning. But as her income started growing at this point, I think it surpassed mine. Right. And so go Mrs. So wow. Yeah. And, and, and so, and, and she could still do it. I mean, we just hired our first employee. Right. And so now we're, and it's continuing to grow. And so that was really interesting because the potential was there. Right. And we knew it was there and we knew the risk was like minimal. So, because the worst that happens, like she said earlier, is she goes back to her day job. <laughs> which our life was pretty good. And that's the absolute worst thing that could possibly happen. All right, I'll take it. This goes you back know, to so. pretty good. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. So it sounds like this wasn't this giant leap of faith. You're not changing careers. You're not moving across the country to start your own business. You're literally where you used to be around doing the same thing you were doing. You're just now doing it for yourself. Exactly. Good for you. So I read your blog a little bit and I have two articles that stood out that I'd love to ask you about. Uh, um, sure. First <laughs> is, so, and actually neither of them are quite as related to this business topic, but so we'll shift gears a little bit here with that incredible segue. Um, well, one of the things you mentioned was you had an article about how you created a spending tracker. That's one thing that a lot of people have control over today. They can take yeah. they can go and, and make that change right now. So you can talk a little bit about how you created that and how that's maybe helped you uh, with your personal lives and business. Sure. So uh, when we started this thing, uh, we needed a way to separate out corporate and personal expenses so that we could track them for tax purposes. I didn't want to pay for QuickBooks or anything because we didn't need it at the time. And we weren't going to set up because we tend to credit card hack, we weren't gonna set up separate corporate bank accounts. I wanted to be able to use different, the same credit cards for all of our expenses and just blend them all together so that I could hit minimum spends and all this other stuff, but I needed a way to segment it off. And so what we started doing is we started like anybody else, just putting receipts in an envelope. And then at the end of the month, we'd have to write them all down and figure out, you know, pay $300 on this credit card because that was corporate and then pay $400 on this credit card because that was company because all those expenses need to be separate and then go back and put it in. And what ended up happening is it take us, I don't know, a day every month to go back and do it. And so we were already using Google Drive stuff for some of her corporate documentation and things of that nature that had dealing with clients and, and some other stuff. And so I was looking at it and I was like, well, we could just do this and I could put it on your phone so we don't have to do this every month. We could all just do it and both of us could input expenses when, when, when they happen. And so I fussed with it a little bit and got it to work. And what ended up working out really well is we could categorize them. And the auxiliary benefit of that was when we went to our account at the end of the year to do all of this, because now we have really complicated taxes owning this business. But I actually could just take that spreadsheet that had everything sectioned off as a Schedule C 
And I didn't walk in with a shoebox full of receipts like most people do. I just kind of <laughs> like handed him this nice formatted spreadsheet that they could go through. And it actually saved us a lot of money in accounting fees because they weren't, you know, the most expensive part is his time to sort through and figure everything out. And so that actually worked out really well. And we used it for two years ish. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it worked phenomenally well. Mm -hmm. And so, and the nice part about it was every time she came and was like, Hey, I need a new way to segment this off. I need to track this for a different company. Originally, her company had clients, and then she was also contracting with other companies and things like that, and she had to submit expense report. So I just built in a new little custom dropdown that allowed her to select which one it went to, and then it all just dropped into the spreadsheet. And so we just had everything we wanted, and it was super-duper easy to use because Google makes good software. So I wasn't – I mean, I've since learned more software development, but I wasn't at the time. I just basically made it out of Google Forms, and it, it worked shockingly well and it was free which is great we don't want to pay for it and just to point out one of the things that you were doing that made this really complicated was the travel hacking right or the credit card hacking where you sign up for a credit card and if you spend four or five thousand dollars in the first two to three months or something like that you get a certain amount of bonus points and you're saying that most people would need to have different cards for each business in order to yeah so there's two sides to this right so one if you have one credit card and you're running all your expenses through it only some portion of it comes from the court, the business checking account. And so you need to understand what that difference is, especially if you're blending them all together, right? On the flip side, what we were doing is we were opening corporate credit cards and I would run everything through that and personal expenses and everything else. But again, we still had to like know what was what because it needed to come out of the corporate checking account. And so not only were we opening personal cards and then running business expenses against the personal cards, we were also opening business cards and running personal expenses against the business card. So I needed a way to segment that off because we'd pay them all at once, right? So I could go and open you know, and get the 80,000 chase points or whatever for the new corporate card. But then we could go out to dinner on it and all this other stuff. But I needed a way to simply track that so that I wasn't mingling business and personal expenses. And so that's where this thing kind of came from was it allowed me to go back into the credit card bill and only pay, you know, half of it out of the corporate account and half of it out of our personal account and, you know, and move all that together. And it just made it a lot easier instead of going through the credit card because she lived the nightmare of trying to put it in. And so you can talk to how much easier. (laughs) (laughs) I love it because I think it's just another great example of how owning a business of some type, having some sort of side hustle, even just allows you to put some of that expense through there. And if you can creatively do it, like Mr. Mrs. Wow here, you can really collect a lot of rewards very quickly. Quickly and kind of get double that advantage, even if, if you're willing to put in the extra effort to make it through that complexity. I think it's great. Um, yeah. And it also kind of lets you skirt what they affectionately call the, the was it the chase gauntlet, right? The 524, because I, if I remember correctly, I mean, we have a stack of credit cards, so I'm pretty sure, but um, <laughs> uh, the corporate ones don't count against that 524. Oh, so, oh wow. So you can open the corporate ones. Oh. Now, I don't know if I, I haven't looked into it, but it may be you have a 524 against your EIN, which is in essence a corporate or a company social security number. So maybe they do it that way. But yeah, as far as I understand, the the corporate ones don't count against that. So you can open all sorts of fun stuff. I assume you have to have some revenue in order to do that, right? Well, they do give you a, a call at the beginning and ask you like a bunch of how are you going to generate revenue? What kind of generate? You know, like, so you have like this 
you know, I guess an interview about your, your business at the beginning and they talk to you. And so we did that. And then once we did that, we opened a bunch of the corporate ones too. So we opened three corporate ones Mm -hmm. over the course of last year. And we opened, I think like (laughs) too many, (laughs) four or five personal ones. And we have a stack of, I mean, you can look at our our blog again. There's a a picture of all the credit cards we acquired over the last year or two. On yeah. uh, the the because we're almost at a million Chase Rewards points from doing this. Oh my goodness! Wow. Yeah, because we don't use them because all the travel stuff we do is tax deductible because we run it against the company. <laughs> 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 so we're saving them for when we actually like are going to go on personal vacations. And oh stuff. my goodness! Okay, so I want to talk <laughs> about the the business travel because uh, Mr. Wow, you said that Mrs. Wow is in international. Donations? What was, I, I don't remember the words he used. Uh, I would say more like international volunteer work, uh, volunteer medical work. missions, volunteerism. Uh, there's a, a lot of different names that they like to call it, but basically I'm volunteering my time abroad <laughs> in, in the medical setting. <laughs> so you pay the expense, you pay the flight to get there and yes. then you deduct that flight cost from your taxes. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then you still get to go there. Mm-hmm. And how long are you volunteering? It just depends on uh, what organization and, and where I'm going. The longest one I've been on so far is two weeks. I've been on one that's about a week. We're actually headed to Cambodia in two weeks now, and we're going to be gone for about two and a half weeks or something like that. So it just depends on the organization, where we're going, how much time you know he could take off of work. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say it must be tough to get time off work. Oh, wait, you don't have to yeah. ask your boss. Well, so for her, it's not an issue. And I actually, uh, part Hold of back. my requirements for the uh, the new job that I got was I actually have unlimited vacation now through my company. So I, I want to work for you, gonna, Scott. We're, we're probably we going to end talk. up putting it to the test in the coming year, but we'll see how well it goes. <laughs> now, can you work remotely or is your work not that for, kind for of work? Me? Yeah, for you. Mr. Wow. So for me, I'm on, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a tech guy, right? So I'm on a computer. As long as I have an internet connection that's that's reasonable, I can pretty much do what I need to do. So when we were away this summer, I did some work. And then when we were away in the fall, I did some work. I can get online. I try not to because, you know, we're there doing other things. But yeah, if something comes up, I definitely can get access to it. And I can work remotely. That's okay. a beautiful part of technology. So Yeah, amen. what's your goal going forward here? What are you looking to do next now that you've got, you know, I think it sounds like the business is growing. Things are pretty good. You're traveling, you're racking up points. Life is good. What's, what's next? Ooh, that's a, that's a big question. Um, and I've definitely been putting a lot of thought into it. I don't know if we have a concrete plan. I think there's always going to be the opportunity for something else to change and, you know, kind of pivot and go down a different path. But the big thing that I would really like to do is, be able to do more volunteer work. And I think 2018 is definitely going to be a bigger year than I've had in the in the past. We already have at least two set up and the potential of a couple more that I'll tack on at the end of the year. I'd also really like to start taking more interns with me and occupational therapy students and exposing them to working abroad, volunteering abroad, and kind of trying to integrate that into my business as well. And the big thing that I think uh, that I've really been focused on is my work at home 
home, I really have to kind of be here in order to do it. So setting up some sort of way that we can grow my business where I can be doing more abroad stuff and not having the confines of having to be, you know, in Los Angeles and everything like that. Just kind of setting up some new fun growth opportunities for the business and whatever will happen. <laughs> yeah. So I think part of our future it, obviously her business is, is a big portion of it. And it, she's one of these lucky people that actually is super passionate about what she does and thoroughly enjoys it. And what's interesting about her is even when say we're fully financially independent, um, she's going to do it anyway, right? She's just going to be doing it for free somewhere else, right? So that's going to continue. And so part of the, a lot of the fun that we never really understood when we started the company was it's actually a lot of fun to try and do. And since it's been fairly successful, we're, you know, it's engaging. And so one of the things that she's looking at is like, how can we grow it? And so she mentioned taking students internationally, you know, that's potentially a revenue opportunity of taking students to mentor them and, and have them kind of, you know, pay a stipend to go on this trip and have her mentor them while they're there and things that nature. That's something we're exploring a couple other things to see if we can grow it. And if that works, I'll do the same transition that she did, which is we have pretty minimal risk. If everything goes kaput, I'll just go back and get a day job and we'll just keep going that way. So at the time being, you know, we, we don't have that luxury or there's no reason to do that quite yet. But, you know, if we get a couple more employees and they need management and things of that nature, then yeah, it'll become a part of us. And and quite frankly, it's a lot of fun, right? Like it's, it's fun to, to put it together and it gives us something to work on and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah. Now that you're not spending so much time at that bar. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Although we still enjoy good beer. Yes. I enjoy good beer too. So we all went to a conference recently. It's called FinCon. You've probably heard, well, I guess this is the only the seventh show. Uh, so maybe we, FinCon hasn't come up yet <laughs> in these past episodes. But FinCon is a financial media conference. And we all went this year. Scott and I represented Bigger Pockets and Mr. and Mrs. Wow represented Waffles on Wednesday. And we had this beer meetup where we all brought like local craft beer from home. And that was a good time. But that was that was definitely uh, <laughs> it was a late night is what it was. Yeah. <laughs> a really late night. There was or early lot. morning, I guess, depending on how you define yeah. it. There was a lot of really good beer, though. Yeah, yeah. There, there really was. If, if you're a craft beer person, you really wish you would have been there. Um, OK, let's get back to this actual show. <laughs> when it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms of each credit card issuer apply. Pretty good episode, right? While you were listening, you could have been getting paid rent with RentApp. Landlords love RentApp because it makes rent collection a breeze. RentApp uses ACH bank transfers to deposit funds directly into your account. 
Setup is straightforward for renters. Landlords don't need to download anything. Both have peace of mind with a digital transaction history. Isn't it time you made landlording a little easier? Rent app, the best way to pay or collect rent. Learn more at rent.app slash landlord. That's rent.app slash landlord. You're trying to save, trying to invest, but your bank account is stuck. How about we get rid of some of those unused subscriptions you forgot about? Trust me, with Rocket Money, it's easy. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Take control over your subscriptions and cancel your unused ones with just a few taps. Create a custom budget, view spending habits, and let Rocket Money negotiate to lower your bills for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. That's rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. I used to think working from home was the dream until it wasn't. Between the distractions and the solitude, I was struggling. But then I discovered Industrious Office, and honestly, it's been a game changer. Every day at Industrious feels like stepping into a zone of productivity. The high-speed internet never fails me during crucial moments, and the workspace? It's not only stylish, but designed to boost your focus and creativity. Plus, the daily breakfast and endless coffees are super cool. Meeting other driven professionals right where I work has not just expanded my network, it's inspired me. It's amazing how being around other focused people can push you to achieve more, you know what I mean? If you're looking for a sign to change your workspace, this is it. Check out Industrious by visiting biggerpockets.com slash industrious. Then click join now and use the promo code pockets to get a free week of co-working when you take a tour. That's biggerpockets.com slash industrious and use promo code pockets after clicking join now. Experience for yourself how the right environment can change the way you work. Industrious. It's where your best work happens. Uh, I want to know, not like super nitty gritty into your finances, but like ballpark it, what percentage do you, of your income, are you currently saving? Just looked at this the other day and we're kind of a weird personal finance blog (laughs) and the fact that like, we don't have a specific number that we need to hit at a certain date. And like, we don't necessarily budget because we kind of trimmed everything down. It's become (laughs) habit, right? So like once it becomes habit, you know, we just don't buy expensive stuff anymore, you know, like everything's just become habit. So we don't like really track everything as far as our spending goes. But what we did end up doing is we have a, you know, obviously personal capital um, account. And I went in and I just looked at the cash flow and divided that by our income. And it came out to 65% for 2017. Nice. That's great. So that's a rough guess, right? And there's some other funkiness in there because of paying her payroll taxes and all this other stuff. But yeah, it actually should be higher because that's considered some of our expenses. Okay. I think that's an interesting point because that high savings rate allows you, I assume, to accumulate a lot of – you're obviously maxing out your retirement accounts, but I assume also a lot of other investable liquidity after doing that. And does that – enable you to kind of have this comfort in making these decisions to travel and to do more volunteering that does that high savings rate and that accumulation, you know, play into that? It definitely does. For me, I'd like to give you a little example. Over the last year, I was at the beginning of 2017. I was in a job that I wasn't super happy about and it was actually making me miserable. And she was 
by default becoming more miserable because I was awful and all this <laughs> other stuff. And so, um, so yeah. And what ended up happening is I ended up quitting just straight up and took a job with an old coworker that was starting a super early stage, high risk company. And I took a fairly substantial pay cut on the order of 35% or something like that. Oh, wow. But we were no worse for the wear. I was happier, you know, she was happier. And so it gave us a lot of flexibility. And then that ended up kind of failing. And, well, it didn't kind of fail. It did fail and we wound <laughs> it down. And um, then I was unemployed for two months. And of course, all our friends are going, oh my God, what are you going to do? How are you handling this? I'm like, well, I'm brewing beer and making pizza and gardening. <laughs> and you know, like, what, what do you mean? What am I going to do? And then I found this current job and it allowed me because of how we live our life and we live on, you know, less than one income, it allowed me a lot more leverage in the salary negotiation. And so that was a really interesting experience. I think it was a really interesting, probably more so for the hiring manager than it was for me. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it gave us a lot of flexibility in that regard to be able to say those types of things, you know, and to, to be put ourselves in those situations. So not only has it allowed her to go and do this whole business thing and start that, but it's allowed me the flexibility that if I'm at a place that I'm really uncomfortable or don't like or whatever, we're completely fine just pulling the plug and going about our day and, you know, finding something else or continuing on with the way we're going. Now, this seems like a good time to ask my question about the other blog post that I was okay. very interested in, um, <laughs> because I believe this is a contributing factor to your very high savings rate. I believe you bike most of the time yes. over a very long distance. Can you tell us about your daily commute and how many days out of the year you, you do that, how you manage it? Well, first of all, he doesn't live in Colorado where it's 30 yeah. below zero or whatever ridiculous <laughs> temperature it is today. That is true. Although on the flip side, you guys are in real estate and you don't want to talk real estate with us because it's a disgusting mess where we live. It's a disgusting <laughs> mess where we live too. Uh, not, it's not at the same level. I, I admit Southern California is more expensive than Colorado, but Colorado is doing its darndest to catch up. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Like we do, <laughs> we do save some money there because we can, uh, cause I can bike. This was actually long before I came across financial independence and face punching from Pete and all that other stuff. Um, <laughs> so we lived down by the beach in a town South of us and there was a bike path that ran on the beach almost directly to my office. Wow. And what a so, hard life. Yeah, it was pretty rough. Um, Still 17 miles. Well, yeah, I was, was going to get to that. You, you ruined the punchline. But, uh, but yeah, so it, it was 17 miles. And, on the uh, beach. And it, and it, yeah, along the beach, right? And it, it ended up taking me, I think, like five minutes longer riding my bicycle than it did driving. Jeez. Yeah, that and so, and I was lucky enough, you know, working in tech and all this other stuff. So we had a shower in our office and all this stuff because they did yoga in our office and things of that nature. Oh, <laughs> but so I would ride my bike in and then I would shower in the office and then I'd get on my bike and ride home. And it'd take me about an hour ish to ride 17 miles because there was no stoplight and no anything. And I was riding along the beach. and It was actually super relaxing. And so I did that for, geez, four years, five years, uh, 17 miles each way. And I was doing it probably at least four times a week. There were very rare times that I would drive to work. And then once I ended up leaving that company. I got a job at this new company that I left last year. And that commute was about three miles. And 
that wasn't on the bike path though, which turned into another disaster. But um, <laughs> then I ended up at this new company and this new company is about 12 miles away. And I ride that almost every day as well. And, but again, that's on a bike path. And so over the course of 12 miles, I, th- I see three stoplights, which is really fantastic. You keep saying it happens to be on a bike path, happens to be on a bike path. You know, I've found that over the years, I have a choice about where I live such that I can locate my home next to a bike path or several of them that feed into different areas in the city such that I can then bike to the office when I want to. Have so you found I, that to be the case as well? Or is that uh, uh, is it, is it just a so miracle? Well, so <laughs> it's interesting because Los Angeles has a bike path that runs the full length of the beach. Uh, along the entire beach. Mm-hmm. And so if you live on the west side, you're within a mile of the bike, any bike path at any given time, which is mm-hmm. interesting considering the stereotype of Los Angeles. But so we choose to live on the west side just because it's a nicer area of town and, and it's not dangerous. And, you know, we, we like to live by the beach and we like the, that kind of social aspect and things of that nature. But I will say this new job, one of the things I actually asked them in the interview is like, do you have a shower here? Because I know a bike path runs right here. I can, I can ride my bike here. And they're like, from where you live, that's a long bike ride. And I was like, so, you know, that's why you you have a shower here. And so, yeah, so it's it's actually pretty funny because I've tried to recruit people in the office that live like three or four miles away and they just aren't interested, but yeah. There were two things that helped me pick this job, which one of which was unlimited vacation and the other was a proximity to the bike path, which is wow. pretty. Yeah. Baby wipes work in a pinch. I worked <laughs> at a place that didn't have a shower and you could just, you know, wipe yourself off. I just didn't ride really hard. Yeah. I don't know if that would work for Mr. Wow. Uh, at least I, I mean, I don't work in his office, so it would be fine on my end, but I don't know about the other people there <laughs> <laughs> after a while. Mm, yeah. yeah. I mean, stink. <laughs> yeah, and then 12 miles. I mean, I do whack, work up a pretty good lather. Right. And cause I, again, I don't have any stoplights. I don't have any rest. So I'm <laughs> pumping it the whole way through 12 miles and I can make it 40, 45 minutes across 12 miles. So I can, I can leave our house and be at my desk in an hour. Shower oh, awesome. up and everything. Nice. Yeah. A couple questions here. So when you bike in that many miles, I bike about five miles and I'm not as good at, as uh, four days a week. I'm trying to get back there, but it's cold right now. So, <laughs> um, so it's really go- cold. I'm going to stick up for Scott here. It's like 30 below outside. I, so, I fully believe it. It's chilly here too, but it's in the fifties. Chilly. At, at one point though, I was biking a long way. I was biking eight miles each day, which is not quite the 12 or 17 that you've been doing, but I ran into some problems. My rear began to hurt a little bit. I w- didn't have some of the correct equipment. I think someone who's considering biking and maybe has to do a distance of more than five miles each way. What are some ways that someone should prepare? For distance riding. So when I was doing 17 each way, I did it the first time on a beach cruiser, which was a single gear foot brake beach cruiser just to test it out because I didn't want to go buy anything. And I did that once and then I was never going to do it again. So (laughs) I ended up buying a a road bike, you know, like the ones you see in the Tour de France and stuff, not that expensive. And those are actually surprisingly comfortable for distance if you have them fitted properly. You have to have the seat at the right height. And if you have the frame that's too small, then you're squunched up. And if the frame's too long, then you're stretched out and it's uncomfortable. I do wear the fancy bike shorts and this one here loves every minute of it. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I question every morning. (laughs) You do need those bike shorts. Um, I will say, you know, the padding is actually nice. What's interesting is as you get 
further down the rabbit hole of biking, which I've kind of become interested in, you actually aren't really sitting on the seat. You're almost standing on the pedals the whole time. So you're not like resting on the seat. So you don't have that like weird wedgie thing going on. <laughs> I always dress for coming home, right? So this is probably especially important for you guys, right? It, uh, when you leave, you need to bring your coat with you because it might be warm when you leave. But when you come home in the dark, it's definitely not going to be warm. So I always dress for the ride home. Yeah, so I have the opposite issue here in Denver. It's very, very cold, like 20 degrees in the mornings. And then when I go home, it's about 45 or 50 degrees. So it's even in the dark. It's just kind of how weird how that happens here in Denver. But yeah, it's like, it's exactly right. You got to prepare for whichever leg of the journey is going to be harsher condition. Yeah. And I will say, uh, as far as safety goes, I have a, like one of those road workers reflective vests that I wrap around my backpack. So that at least gives some visibility. And then helmet. Uh, helmet. Make sure anybody wears a helmet. Please, please wear a helmet. I yes. got hit by a car last year and I wouldn't be here right now if I didn't have a helmet on. So please, 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 please wear a helmet. And what else? Gloves. I wear gloves. Oh, word to the wise. This might be helpful for you too, is wear the uh, latex surgical gloves underneath your gloves because they're waterproof. They're warm. They're thin. They're cheap. They're really good. And you can go pick them up at the 99 cent store. And so, yeah, you just put them underneath. Yeah. I learned that play in lacrosse on the East coast in March in the snow. So that's a quick one because your hands get really cold really quickly and those gloves will keep your hands pretty warm. I used to play lacrosse on the East Coast in March. I had never had this tip. <laughs> Shoot. Yeah, you, you take a good check. You, and somebody throws a nice check and catches yeah. your thumb in March. You, you'd know it. Oh, Stinks. that would have been such a good idea. Uh, <laughs> where were you 20 years ago when Scott was playing lacrosse on the East Coast? Uh, doing he the same thing. <laughs> Okay, I want to talk about cars really quick before we move on. You mentioned that Mrs. Wow drives everywhere and writes off her mileage. Do you have a car? How many cars do you have? Mrs. Wow has a car. How many cars do you have as a couple? And like, what kind are they? What year? How old are they? Between the two of us, we have three vehicles. So we have my work and my personal vehicle. Mr. Wow still has a car that I have been trying to convince him to get rid of for the past couple of years. And then uh, we also have, well, I should say he has a motorcycle. So even though he bikes to work all the time, he actually has two vehicles that I can't use because <laughs> a, I can't drive a motorcycle and I can't drive a stick. So these two don't really make all that much sense. Um, and I'm really trying to, to work on that. But like he mentioned, when he got hit by a car on his bicycle, that was the day we had actually put his car up on Craigslist. And he had lost all his memory after the accident and mm. was appalled when I told him that, you know, we were going to try to sell his car and he could not understand why we were doing that. And I basically, I took kind of a lashing from that because he was like, what are you talking about? We're not getting rid of my car. And I still have not yet been able to convince him that he doesn't need it because it just sits and there's cobwebs that connect the car to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it. it's, Oh, I probably don't. Um, it's got a special place in my heart. It's the only car that I ever bought. Yeah, to answer your question, it's got 180,000 miles on it, and it's it's a 2002. Is it paid um, for? You don't have a no, loan on it? It's been paid for for years. Okay. The insurance on it is like $100 a, a year or something like that. So, like, I have a rough time because if I do ever need a car again, I'm going to end up spending a lot more than that. Right. Um, start. 
it has some issues. Uh, But the thing about it is, is like living where we live, if I do need to get anywhere, I can just take the motorcycle. Right now I can't carry much on it. Yeah. I did last week. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I get for never driving it. And the battery dies and all these other things. That's part of the fun of riding a bicycle all the time is because, yeah, my vehicles go into disrepair. So I, I have that. And we also, I mean, Hell, we have Lyft and Uber and everything yeah. else that I could get around if I needed to. So with a little bit of planning, we can also make it work where, you know, the car that I use, he can use. And, you know, it, it really wouldn't be that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah, we have those cars. And yeah, I, and I don't know. That's it. Like her, her car is relatively new. We bought it last October. She had uh, old what a Jetta, mm-hmm. right? Two thousand seven. Yeah, and we she needed a new car because she was toting around interns all the time, and her job she has to take toys with her and all this stuff. So we wanted to get a, a small SUV for her, and we ended up getting a killer loan on a, de- a killer deal on a loan rather. We it was like one and a half percent for a used car, so it was like sure we'll take that, and we ended up buying it through BP. Going back to the credit card hacking thing, they let us put as much as we want on credit cards. So we did both of our minimum spends for our Chase Sapphire reserves as a down payment for our car. So we hit the 5,000 for both of our Sapphire reserves on the down payment for our car through BP, which BP I think has now gone defunct, which is probably a reason why. But, uh, (laughs) but yeah, so we did that. And then I just put the rest of it on a loan at one and a half percent. So yeah, because there's no reason to pay it off at one and a half percent. No, there's not. Uh, Moving on. We're we're still working out these segues here. Okay. <laughs> you have said that you don't have like a hard and fast dollar amount you need to get to before you can retire. Do you have an estimated retirement date or financial independence date? No, uh, no, not. Or do you just like I mean, really like your job? So my <laughs> husband is, we are financially independent. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say he is because what's his <laughs> is mine. Um <laughs> And, but he has reached his goal. He is no longer working. I got this job about the same time that he was leaving his job. And I love my job. I don't want to leave. I don't tell my boss, but I would almost do this for free. So <laughs> I don't have any plans to retire, you know, but do you, like you, you get to take so much time off. I guess it doesn't really matter. Mr. Unlimited. Well- We'll see how that works when we push that <laughs> limit, right? Like, we'll see what happens when I get scolded and slapped on the hand for taking off 12 weeks out of the year or something like that. But um, we have an arbitrary kind of number that I want to hit before, you know, I take off from a W-2 and just work for her full time. Is it hard, fast? No. Uh, especially since, you know, she – her work – she will always do it and she loves it. And so if her company continues to grow, I can take off a little bit of the workload from her and we'll be just fine. And so it's kind of this weird thing. And that's why I don't know that we have a specific number in mind just because we enjoy doing it. Right. And that's similar to what you just mentioned is, uh, is that she'll be doing this forever, Mm -hmm. you know, regardless. So it doesn't matter. Uh, She'll be volunteering or she'll be doing it, Locally, or if we move somewhere else, she'll be doing it there because she loves it. She's passionate about it and is fully engaged with it. And and just, you know, being that it's our company, whatever we decide that we want to do, we, we have that freedom to go and do it. If I want to go pursue something else, 
just kind of bake it right into what what's already working. So if I start to get bored with what I'm currently doing and want to do something else, I, I have that that freedom to go do it, which is great. And uh, you know, hopefully he'll be able to to actually come on board even more. He's been doing so much, but you know, be able to help out even more and really start to build it together. So as far as a date, I don't know that we have a concrete one. I would like to say in the next year or two that we could make that happen and make that transition happen. Oh, wow. The other thing that, you know, we don't necessarily, we've talked about, but if little waffles happen to come around, then maybe we'll, uh, we'll see what, <laughs> you know, cause we don't, we don't, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that could obviously throw a wrench into the whole thing too. So I, I don't know how that would play in or things like that. And that's why, that's kind of why we don't have a number is cause we don't really forecast and, and have that specific hard deadline because she's super passionate about it. It's doing really well. And, you know, at the current moment I'm fine. And when it does become unwieldy or her company becomes too big, then I'll shift and help her out and we'll continue going about our business. Nice. So, um, so that's kind of the way we're looking at it. Then that's kind of why we don't have a specific number or date or anything like that. Okay. That's fair. Well, I love it. I mean, you guys, you work hard, you're smart with your money, you start a business, you've, you're just increasing the amount of options that are available in your lives continuously and reaping the rewards. And I think it's a fantastic way to go through with this stuff. So I, I love it. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're you're well on your way as too, right? So, I mean, then, then you're a lot younger than we are. So <laughs> Scott's like nine. <laughs> are you comfortable sharing your age ranges? Yeah. How old are you? I'm 33. And I'm, I just turned 38. Okay. So, so still, yeah, we, we, we should have started a little bit earlier, but you know, we're, we're still relatively young, I guess. It's all frame of mind. Yeah, I guess. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm awesome. 33 well, and 38 too. Awesome. All right. Well, <laughs> well, let's move into our uh, famous four and uh, right. wrap up here. Okay. Right, here we go. All right. The first of these, what is your favorite finance book? Well, uh, I'm going to have to say uh, this is a path to wealth. I ended up Ooh, winning by Jim that. Collins. Yes. 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 The better part of the story is that I actually won it off of uh, a blog that I follow. <laughs> and I was really excited. I wanted to read it. And Mr. Wow had had a copy and then lost it. And so I had to wait for I months. I lose it. I gave it to somebody else to read. <laughs> I never got it back. <laughs> Oh, I'm the worst with that. People give me books and I just never return them. (laughs) Josh has given me books and I've just lost them or whatever. I read them and then then they just disappear. Yeah. Well, this is one I really wanted to read. I'm like, you need to find it. He's like, I don't know where it is. And so uh, fortunately I was able to win it and I read it and loved it. I couldn't put it down. And I now like recommend it to everybody. <laughs> well, and it's funny. She actually has copies of it that she hands out to her interns at the end of every uh, oh, intern session. So, excellent. Yeah, so that's part of their gift at the end of their internship is uh, a copy of The Simple Path to Wealth. And yes. I, unfortunately, to be completely unoriginal, will have to second that. Um, <laughs> I, I, at my, my new job, they actually have a library of everybody's favorite books. And so when I went in, I actually said, get the simple path to wealth and put it in there. And so it's funny. There's all these like, you know, Dr. Seuss books and all these other <laughs> books. And then here's Jim Collins book right next to it. You know, so this is pretty funny. 
That's awesome. That's a great book. That It's very well named, The Simple Path to Wealth. You yeah. don't have to do all these complicated things to grow wealthy. Here's how you do it. And Jim Collins is an amazing person. I know oh, him he's personally. Fantastic. He's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, plus his voice. We're going to have him on the show. Oh, I just yeah, have to ask I hope him. so. Yeah, it's fantastic. We ended up meeting him at, in, in Ecuador at Chautauqua in October. And he is such a fantastic guy. He's, he's so wonderful. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime that I could go sit next to him and just listen to him talk about anything, I did. And like I was sitting next to him at the bus and, you know, sitting around the fire, like anything. I was like, Jim, just just talk to me. He's like the financial James Earl Jones. (laughs) Simba. That's that's my favorite James Earl Jones. (laughs) Okay. What was your biggest money mistake? We kind of touched on on the one the um the bar that we used to spend a lot of money on, but I guess for me the the big thing that I started to realize once we kind of started on this path was um I was the queen of monthly subscriptions. You oh. name it, I did it. I did yoga clothes, I did regular clothing, I did massages, uh, I spent a lot of money on a gym membership just lots of different things that I was doing. Um, and finally one day I kind of sat down and, you know, eh, maybe it was 50 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month, but over 12 months, over two years, over, you know, five years, 10 years, I did the math and I realized how much I was spending or potentially could be spending if I kept down that path and realized that it wasn't worth that time, that money and everything that I was putting into it. So yeah, I want to say I was probably doing that for well, the gym was six, seven, eight years. Some of the other subscriptions was about maybe three or four years and spent way more money than I ever needed. Well, to I don't know that. why you need yoga clothes every month. Yeah. Like that's yeah, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I, the car that we talked about a little earlier, I bought it new. I probably shouldn't have, but I've had it for 15 years now. And probably like a lot of people in this community, I wish I would have started maxing things out earlier. I, yeah. I was always contributing, but I never really had the mindset of, oh, I can make this, you know, feasible and actually happen. So uh, once I started, once we really started paying attention to it. So that, that's the only thing that I could I could say that I, it would be a mistake is I wish I would have been, you know, your age, Scott, <laughs> and, and started this <laughs> as opposed to several years later. One thing I've noticed with the subscriptions is the travel hacking, the credit card hacking actually helps with that because, you know, every couple of months you shut down a card and then you have a new card that you can, you put all the expenses in. You're like, oh, wow. I, you know, I'm, I'm really not using Spotify anymore. Do I really need Spotify? So, yeah, it's funny. Kind of like we, we luckily she went through and killed all those before we got into the travel hacking stuff. So we didn't have that issue. But that's a yes. very good point, actually. If you're killing credit cards every three months, then you can figure out because they'll whine and cry about not getting their money. Well, and a lot of them are really hard to shut down, and you have to make phone call after phone call, and and it took a while. And so a lot of people just are like, whatever, the twenty bucks, I'll just do it. I don't want to deal with it, even like just to shut it down. So yeah, I can definitely see if uh, you just take that credit card away, then it's like, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really great point. Occurrence. That's a really great point. You know, sometimes yeah. it is really difficult. They make it difficult on purpose to close oh, it. Yeah. So you just are like, whatever, I'll just keep it. it's only twenty bucks. And, you know, one, only 20 bucks is no big deal, but two, five, 12, and all of a sudden all of your paycheck is going to this like thing you don't use. Totally get it. That's, that's a great piece of advice. Just close off all your credit cards. (laughs) (laughs) Open new ones. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Just shut it down and open new ones. There you go. Press reset. 
excluding that piece of advice, what is your best piece of advice for people who are just starting out? I think for me, really, and this kind of this kind of segues nice with that last question is embrace your mistakes because that's what's led you to get to where you are now. And a lot of times if you don't, if you didn't have a big mistake or kind of that bottom or that like aha moment of like, oh crap, I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. You might not have actually reached the point that you are today. And so I think that that's a big one. So many people are like, oh, I wish I would have started sooner. You know, I wish I would have started when I was 26 or 19 or nine or whatever, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, but just embrace that and then start today and just move forward and, and, and try to make progress in that aspect. I have two that I really kind of live with. And part of it is what she was just talking about. One, you know, the, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. And the second best time is today. And I'm sure a lot of people have heard that, but it goes back to kind of the financial mistake that I was talking about. You know, I can't beat myself up over that because I was a different person at that time. So I just got to start today and move forward, right? Because that's what I have control over. And the second one is uh, when you're in a hole, stop digging. So, (laughs) so if you find yourself and you're going down the wrong path, stop and look around and see what's going on and then kind of, kind of take note of what's around you and see if there's a better way to go or something like that. And those are two things that I've really tried to incorporate into our life and my life, those two pieces of advice. So, and I think that being said too, it's like also just kind of make your journey your own. There is a vast abundance of information out there of how to do this and how to do that and how to save money and how to invest here and, you know, do real estate or do that and really like pick something that works for you and do it. You know, you don't have to do what everybody else is telling you what to do. Use, utilize the resources, but then make your journey your own. Excellent advice. Excellent advice. What is your favorite joke to tell at parties? Oh, man. Okay, so <laughs> this is a PG show. Yeah, uh, yeah I was going to okay. say. <laughs> so I actually, I don't, we're not really joke people. I'll, I'll say I'm not really a joke person. But something that I've actually started doing um, is, you know, rather than when you meet somebody new at a party and it's like, oh, what do you do? Oh, but, you know, tell me about your job. I've actually started this new thing of just saying, what are you passionate about? And people are like, whoa okay, hold on. Oh, I'm passionate about this. I'm passionate about that. Um, and I've, I've done it a couple of times now where people actually sit there and they're like, I really like that. And then all of a sudden somebody else comes over and you're introducing and it's like, Hey, this is so-and-so they're really passionate about gardening or they're passionate about running. And it's really kind of opened up this whole new realm. Um, so I know that is totally not a joke, <laughs> but that's something that I do at parties. So there you go. <laughs> well, you know what? I think that answer is pertinent to this. It's what is your favorite joke to tell at parties? You tell a joke to break the ice. And I don't know jokes, but I know people. So I'm going to ask them to talk about themselves. Yeah. It's right. a great it's piece of advice. I'll go with this one. And it's probably one that most people have heard. And I think it's funny and it's awful, but uh, <laughs> you ready? Yes. So a mushroom walks into a bar and the bartender says, Hey, we don't serve your kind here. And he says, why not? I'm a fun guy. Uh, <laughs> perfect. Well, Scott likes that. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Oh, that's awful. Okay. (laughs) I thought it was great. That's exactly why we asked this question because we're expecting jokes like that. Uh, So that is, I work with Scott all day, every day, and that's him all day, every day are those stupid jokes. I mean, 
Those well, delightful, now, now entertaining comments. I mean, it's more pun. <laughs> Tell, I've come up with a joke on the spot. It's very difficult. But coming up with a pun for whatever reason seems. <laughs> Go for it. Your turn. We'll flip the tables. Uh, let's see. <laughs> yeah, it's not easy. <laughs> All right. A pirate walks into a bar and he's got a roll of paper towels on his head. And he says to the bartender, yeah, I've got a bounty on me head. <laughs> All right. Touche. <laughs> okay. Moving right along. Where can people find out more about you? Right. Well, you can, you can find us at waffles on Wednesday.com. We're also on Twitter at waffles on wed. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, we don't really do Facebook. We don't do Pinterest or the rest of it. So yeah, we're the, we're just the website and Twitter. Great. And Waffles so. on Wednesday. Every time I type in your thing, I'm like, Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a really long URL. I we tried to shorten it to wow and wow.com. I know that is probably taken. So we didn't really want to look into that. Yeah. No, that's, <laughs> no, Waffles on Wednesday. People will remember it. I mean, once you type it in a few times, it pops up when you type W. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we, well, yeah, we, get in, we get involved with all the, uh, the Sunday church groups and stuff like that that do fundraisers for serving waffles on Wednesday. And things like that. <laughs> yeah, so we end up in those kind of Google searches. It's pretty funny. People looking for a really good waffle recipe. Yeah, well, they did post one on there, but yeah. Yeah, you should post a good waffle recipe. I'm going to go and get your waffle recipe. My IT make terrible on waffles. It's on there. It's on there for uh, National Waffle Day. We, we did a post on National Waffle Day. You have your very own day. Yeah, August 24th. Don't forget it. Put it on your calendar there. <laughs> <laughs> Every time August 24th pops up on a Wednesday, that is your national holiday. That's it. That's yeah. So somebody day. commented. I think the next one's like 2024. Something, Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Somebody commented on that on that post about that. I think the next time that happens on a Wednesday is like August 2024 or oh, something like that. It turns out that that is the day that the guy patented the waffle iron. Oh, huh. OK. Put a bunch of stats on there, too. You can go back and read them. <laughs> <That's really laughs> weird things. Apparently waffles are have a whole history with them. And Thomas Jefferson had waffle frolics and all sorts of weird. Yes. Oh, like. Yeah, I don't know what that, if that's good or bad, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas Jefferson, the swinger. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you never know. Well, I want to say thank you, Mrs. Wow, for taking time out of your day to share your story with us. And you too, Mr. Wow. Yeah, yes, thank, thank you, you guys. guys so much. All right, that was Mr. and Mrs. Wow. Thanks so much for having them on the show. What'd you think, Mindy? Oh my goodness, I could talk to them for another five hours. That was a really, really fun show. It ran a little bit long and I'm okay with that because it was just filled with information and it was just a lot of fun to record with them. And that might be the first couple that we've done that is anonymous, I believe, right? That is the first couple that we have interviewed that is anonymous. And you know what? That's okay. As a former anonymous blogger, I was outed. And if you really care, you can go and dig into the world and and try and find me. But I was outed and it turned out to be not even close to a big deal. Like literally nobody cares. The people in my life that didn't know about the blog now also don't care because they don't want to learn about personal finance. And that's okay. That's their journey and that's their business. And then there are some people that I never thought would care who come to me now and ask me questions. And that makes me very happy that they feel comfortable enough to 
talk to me about money because, you know, money's so difficult to talk about. Yeah. And I think that there's really good reasons to keep yourself anonymous when you're talking about blogging for financial independence, blogging about, or, or just talking publicly about how much money you make, how much money you have, or what your finance goals are in general, that can be a personal subject. And so the, it's just great that we have the internet and these mediums to express ourselves through that, that are anonymous. Yes. I'm not anonymous. So I do not share my income <laughs> and net worth with, with folks, but some people are anonymous and do share that. And that's great information to, to get a picture of. Right. Um, I think having the information, seeing what other people make, their, their spending levels, their savings levels, Mr. And Mrs. Wow saves 65% of their salary. That's amazing. And when somebody just says that out of the blue, you're like, whatever, you're full of garbage. But then when they also share their income and their expenses, that's really helpful. And you know, you don't want everybody to know your business maybe. So blogging anonymously is great. I'm glad they do it because I think they've got some great stories to share. Well, should we wrap up here and, and get home? That was a pretty long episode. That was a pretty long episode. Thanks for sticking around with us. Yes. Um, before we go, one quick note. If you like what you hear, please go on iTunes and leave us a review or a rating. We are a brand new show still, an episode here in episode seven, and we love seeing those reviews and getting them in. That helps spread the word and just share the show with more people who might benefit. Yes, that would be very, very helpful for us to spread this story around. So yeah, it's really easy. It takes, what, 30 seconds, 45 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. So thank you very much. Okay, Scott, I'm going to get out of here. I will talk to you later for episode seven of the Bigger Pockets Money Show. This is Mindy Jensen, over and out. And small multifamily investing is so popular in the Bigger Pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping to pay down your mortgage each month, four kitchens and bathrooms you can renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can afford? Which market and which deal is best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down by four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? These are all great questions, all to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devtha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four today and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. That's biggerpockets.com slash F-O-U-R. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.